Coming into this season, we knew the Orioles had a lot of young talent on the roster, specifically some rookies that were ready to contribute. But maybe no more than this weekend have those rookies stepped up for the Orioles as they won their sixth consecutive series, taking three out of four from the Tigers. I'll recap it all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, May 1st, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to recap the Orioles' series victory over the Detroit Tigers as the O's took three of four in Detroit this weekend to finish off the month of April at 19-9 and and win their sixth consecutive series. I'm going to get you my three big takeaways from this Orioles weekend series win, having to do with some rookies really stepping up, some starting pitching that wasn't so great and a lineup for the Orioles that seems to have more depth than it's had in a very long time but that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast before we get there though just did want to thank you the everydayers out there for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day we're free and available wherever you get your pods and make sure to like comment and subscribe to Locked On Orioles YouTube channel as well if you're subscribed on YouTube you can be part of our giveaways that we do getting closer to 3,000 subscribers and we're going to do an awesome giveaway when we get there so make sure to subscribe and thank you to everyone listening but specifically the everydayers out there here on the Locked On Orioles podcast and on today's podcast we jump into the weekend action because I did not record an episode didn't have one for you on Friday as I mentioned out of town for a wedding this weekend so didn't really sit down and watch as much Orioles baseball, did catch the majority of Sunday's game and the end part of Thursday's game, but the Saturday doubleheader was spotty. I did go back and and watch the baseball that I missed over the weekend, but it was interesting because I wasn't, you know, as plugged in to the baseball as it was happening, but it was nice to come back to it Sunday, see the O's had taken two of three, and watch them end up with three of four. So I'm going to get you my three big takeaways from this four-game weekend series for the Orioles, in which they started it off on Thursday with a 7-4 win over the Tigers. Then it was rained out Friday, so they played a split doubleheader on Saturday. They dropped Game 1 7-4, but came back and won Game 2 by a score of 6-4, and then capped it off with a series win Sunday by a score of 5-3. Orioles are now 19-9 on the season. That is their most wins ever in the month of April. Again, most wins ever. Ever in the month of April. 19 wins, their most wins in a month since 2016. And it's the first time the Orioles have won six consecutive series since the summer of 2014. Of course, that is also the last time the Orioles won the American League East. So things are looking up for the 19 and 9 Orioles. And as we've talked about, they are rolling through this quote unquote easy stretch of the schedule they're coming down towards the end of this 22 game stretch where they basically played all teams either at or below 500 they've played 19 of those games so far in this stretch and they are 15 and 4 in the 19 games all that's left is three on the road against Kansas City this week 
even 15 and 7 would have been amazing for this stretch, but they've got a chance to go like 16 and 5 if they can win another series. And that would put them way ahead as the schedule does get a lot tougher. They go to Atlanta play, play, the, play the Braves this weekend. It's going to get a little harder, but they've set themselves up in a really good position. And my first takeaway from the weekend is that it was really the rookies that this weekend, at least, put the Orioles in this good position and specifically shine for the O's to help them take three out of four. Now, I wanted to key in on four guys specifically for the O's this season and specifically this weekend. And let's start with Grayson Rodriguez because he put together his best start in the big leagues on Saturday. Got the start in game two of the doubleheader and he absolutely dominated that Tigers lineup. Five scoreless innings for Grayson Rodriguez as he allowed just two hits while striking out a career-high nine batters and walking just one. Only 91 pitches for Grayson Rodriguez. He only allowed four hard-hit balls. And after a little bit of shakiness early in his big league time, he's down to a 4.07 ERA, which I will take any day of the week. And here's the great thing about Rodriguez. In his last start, when he also looked really good, it was that changeup that was kind of the difference maker for him, right? When he went back out there the last time against the Tigers. That was the pitch again on Saturday. For Rodriguez, he had 13 whiffs on the day on 41 swings. Eight of those whiffs came against the changeup. He threw 23 changeups. It was his second most used pitch of the day. The Tigers swung at 13 of those 23 changeups. They swung and missed at eight of them. A 62% whiff rate on a pitch that you're throwing 20 plus times is ridiculous. And that is what Grayson got. And the funny part is, he didn't even have to throw it in the strike zone a lot for it to be this effective. It was constantly starting at the knees, going from strike to ball. And that is where his changeup is at its best. Of those 23 pitches that he threw that were changeups, only seven of them actually ended up in the strike zone. The rest of them were outside the zone, and he still got eight whiffs. He got two called strikes. He got four foul balls. Only one of those 23 changeups was put in play by Tigers batters. That's how ridiculous that pitch was. And he added on the fastball, which the velo was a little bit down. He was more 94 to 96 on Saturday, whereas he's averaged 96 and been up to 97, 98 during the season. But but it didn't really matter. I mean, it was still good. His curveball, he also found a little bit. Now, the curveball hasn't been amazing all year, and he struggled with the command at times. But he threw 12 curveballs. It was his third most used pitch. And he got two whiffs. He got four called strikes. It was in the zone more often in this game than it had been all year. I thought that was his best changeup. That was his best curveball. It was not his best four-seamer, but it was still working for him. He was still around the strike zone. And he really didn't throw a slider, only threw five of them. And I just feel like he probably didn't have the feel for that pitch on Saturday. But it did not matter. He was absolutely dominant in this game. Again, just four hard-hit balls. Even when they were putting in play, it was soft context against Grayson. He pitched with confidence. I know the Tigers' offense is the worst in baseball. Came in averaging only 3.3 runs per game. That's the worst in all the majors. I get it. And it's back-to-back -back good starts against that same bad offense. I understand. But he's still young, and this is still really impressive from Grayson Rodriguez. 
he's he's major league ready. I mean, I, I don't think there's a question about that. I am excited to see him continue to grow as the stuff was just awesome on Saturday afternoon. But he wasn't the only rookie pitcher who impressed on Saturday. D.L. Hall also came up and made his 2023 MLB debut in Saturday's game. Hall was recalled as the 27th man for the doubleheader. Of course, game got rained out Friday. When you get a doubleheader, you get an extra player who you can bring up for just that one day. It ended up being D.L. Hall, and although he didn't really help the O's win a game, he pitched in the 7-4 loss in game one of the doubleheader, he really did help save the bullpen because Dean Kramer was bad on Saturday. We'll talk about that in a bit. He goes five innings, does Kramer, and the Orioles turn it over to D.L. Hall, who had not pitched in the big leagues in 2023. And he was his, you know, regular D.L. Hall self in AAA. He was throwing a lot of pitches, getting strikeouts, walking some guys, but inducing mostly soft contact. His velo was a little bit down, and it was down in this outing, but I was still impressed with what I saw from D.L. Hall in three innings of relief. He allowed the Orioles to not have to use any other relievers, and the fact that he was the 27th man meant that they basically didn't have to use any of their regular bullpen guys in game one with game two coming up. And that was big because the O's had to use a lot of the bullpen in game two and in Sunday's game as well. But Hall goes three innings, allowing two runs on five hits with seven strikeouts to just one walk for D.L. Hall. Now, he did allow a home run, but it was only two hard hit balls on the day. One of them was that homer. He really limited hard contact. Now, the velo was down. You know, he was 96 last year. He was 93 to 95 in this game. It was down. But Hall did say after the game, because of that back injury that he had early in spring training that delayed his start to the year, he hasn't really been able to lift weights until last week he said he started lifting weights. So he thinks that's why his velo is a little bit down. And he thinks as he continues to lift more regularly, that velocity will be back up to the 96, 97 that it usually sits at. But the changeup was great. I mean, he got 12 whiffs in this game, six on the changeup on 11 swings. He still had five whiffs on the fastball. He still had eight called strikes on it. It was a good pitch. The changeup was great. Didn't get a lot from the slider or the curveball, but it was a good fastball change mix. He threw 45 out of 75 pitches as his fastball, so you could tell he was really relying on that pitch, especially in his first big league outing of the year. And he did get sent back to AAA after the game, you know, returning the 27th man to AAA Norfolk. And I think he knew that was going to be the case. But good life on the fastball, great changeup. And again, throwing strikes, seven strikeouts to one walk and only two hard hit balls. That is what everyone has been hoping for from D.L. Hall. And he threw 75 pitches. He's been up towards 90 pitches in the minors his last couple of starts. He's pretty close to being built up. And yeah, he did mention how it wasn't the most ideal scenario. And we'll get to that more on tomorrow's episode, kind of what's next for D.L. Hall. But I liked what I saw. And then we go to Joey Ortiz, who, a little bit surprisingly, came up to make his Major League debut over the weekend for the Orioles. Ortiz, before Thursday's game, gets called up, replacing Terran Vavra, who had not been hitting at all. Vavra, in 31 plate appearances in the big leagues this year, had just a 61 WRC+, which means he was 39% worse than a league average hitter. So he goes down to AAA to try and reset a little bit, and the Orioles really needed another right-handed hitter. They were going to be facing three consecutive left-handed starters for the Tigers in Joey Wentz, Matt Boyd and Eduardo Rodriguez. So they send down the left-handed hitting infielder in Taron Vavra and call up a right-handed hitting infielder in Joey Ortiz. Now, there was already a plan to potentially bring up Ortiz a couple of weeks ago when Ramon Arias 
got hit in the head by that pitch. O's thought he might have to go on the concussion injured list. Ortiz was kind of ready to go. Now, they didn't end up doing it, but because Ortiz is on the 40-man roster and the other infielders like Connor Norby and Jordan Westberg are not, it makes him much easier to just call up for a short amount of time because he's already on the 40-man. And that seemed to be the O's plan from the beginning, that even though they did call him up, it wasn't going to be a long-term call up at least this time. But he certainly made his presence known. He played second base, started the first three games of this series before he was then sent down again. And actually, Kyle Stowers got to come back up to the bigs on Sunday and started that game. But Ortiz, I think, knew that was going to be the case. And I think he made the most of his appearance. Good defense at second base in all three games. He ends up going two for nine with a couple of singles, but four RBIs, including three RBIs in his major league debut on Thursday night. The only other Orioles to ever do that was Don Baylor. That's pretty good company to be in for Joey Ortiz. Had another RBI the next day and really helped the O's. And he had been mashing in AAA, as we expected. 359 average, 389 on base, 500 slugging. Now, didn't have a home run yet in 72 plate appearances at AAA, but did have a 124 WRC+. plus. Still playing elite, elite defense at shortstop. He will be back. And again, we'll talk about that more on tomorrow's episode. But it was cool to see him come up. And then finally... I didn't find a better place to do this in the episode, so I got to just shout out Yenier Cano if we're talking about the rookies here. This guy is ridiculous, Yenier Cano. Now, he didn't pitch in either of the first two games of the series, but he comes out there in game three, the second game of the doubleheader, after the O's bullpen was a little shaky earlier in the game, and just boom, one, two, three, eighth inning on six pitches. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, keeps it at a 6-4 lead. Then Cano comes in in a little stickier situation on Sunday. First and second, two outs. Orioles leading 4-3 to three in the bottom of the eighth. And what does he do? Well, he gets the key out in the eighth inning, gets it to the ninth. O's get him an insurance run. Jorge Mateo, homer, top of the ninth. Cano comes back out there. 1-2-3, bottom of the ninth. He gets a four-out save. Yenier Cano now still has a zero ERA on the season. His only base runner allowed this year was a hit-by-pitch last week against the Red Sox. He has not allowed a hit. He has not allowed a walk so far this season. This guy is having a ridiculous start to the year. It's still crazy to me he wasn't on the opening day roster. And yet here he is, 11 scoreless innings, 12 strikeouts. Again, no walks, two saves. It is ridiculous for Yenier Cano. And it was a good thing that Cano and... Most of the rest of the Orioles' bullpen had another good weekend because the starting pitching was not there for the O's, except for Grayson Rodriguez. So coming up next, we'll talk about who struggled in those other three games and why they did, what it means for the O's' rotation as they move forward and play some better offenses here this season. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and all the calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. That is Built Bar. You've got to try it. They're healthy and they taste amazing. All these bars are covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in amazing flavors like churro and my favorite, peanut butter brownie. And I don't know how they do it, but Built has finally become the good tasting protein bar that's still good for you. Only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And it still somehow, somehow, tastes like a candy bar. I don't get it. 
but it's amazing. And you can still go to Built.com to get your Built Bars, but you can also walk into Walmart or Sam's Club and get your Built Bars. And then you can go get your specialty flavors at Built.com. So again, Walmart, Sam's Club, go in a store, come out with some delicious and nutritious Built Bars. And this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Now, it it's really so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you. And you may never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. It's tough in an ever-changing world to just think about you as often as you should. But when we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. Well, therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. So if you're thinking of therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnMLB. So the Orioles take three out of four from the Detroit Tigers over the weekend to win their sixth consecutive series, first time since 2014, that they have done that. And it was kind of despite their starting pitching. I talked about how good Grayson Rodriguez was in game two of the doubleheader on Saturday. Five scoreless innings, nine strikeouts, one walk. He was kind of the outlier for the O's starting pitching-wise this weekend. The other three starts, they were not good. Let's begin with Kyle Gibson on Thursday night. He had his worst and his shortest start in an Orioles uniform. Gibson goes just four and a third innings, allowing three runs on eight hits, three strikeouts to two walks. It took him 102 pitches to record only 13 outs. He allowed six hard-hit balls. And it was just not the Kyle Gibson we've been used to seeing this year. Now, something I've talked about when the O's signed him and so far this season is you have to expect some starts like this from Kyle Gibson. He's 35. He's never been crazy consistent. If he goes on a good stretch, he may come back at you with a start like this. Now, you'd like for him to still be able to get through five or six innings even when he does. And it was tough to only get 13 outs, especially when you know you're starting a four-game series. The O's were a little lucky to get that rain out on Friday after that because they had to use a lot of relievers Thursday to come back and win that game the way they did it. Five runs in the seventh inning to come back and win it. Kyle Gibson didn't help him a lot. Now, it was change-up heavy again for the second straight start. 25 change-ups. That was his most used pitch. But he still threw the kitchen sink. He threw each of his six pitches at least 12 times. Curveball, the least used at 12. Change up the most at 25. And he did get 10 whiffs, but on 48 swings, not a great number. I just felt like he didn't command the secondaries as well as he has at times. And he was trying to find the right mix of pitches. And he was mixing. I just don't feel like he was mixing correctly. It wasn't like it was this crazy, terrible start. And he did get some help from Mike Bauman. Gibson left in the fifth with two on and one out. And Bauman came in and did what he's done most of the time this year is get out of that inning and, and keep the game where it was, allowing the Orioles to come back in that game, get the five-run seventh, get the big hits they did. Santander, the huge blast, the two-run homer, they kind of put the game away. But I'm not super concerned about the Gibson start. It was just unfortunate that the guy you bring in to eat innings only gets you four to third. I'm sure he will bounce back at his next start, but he was probably the least concerning of the three bad starts we saw this weekend. The most concerning was Dean Kramer 
in game one of the doubleheader on Saturday. It started off extremely poorly. He gave up three runs in the first inning. Now, he let himself down. There was a ground ball back towards the mound, a play he should have made that would have ended the inning with just one run. He didn't make it. Then he gives up a two-run single to the next batter that makes it 3-0. But Kramer was not good. Five innings, five runs on 11 hits. That is a new career high for Dean Kramer. Think about how bad Dean Kramer was in 2021 as a starter for the Orioles. Not even that year did he ever give up 11 hits in a single game. He did that for the first time on Saturday. Again, the five runs, six strikeouts to two walks, which is nice. And he did finish five innings, even though he gave up three in the first, one in the second, one in the third, did put up a zero in the fourth and fifth, and still only threw 89 pitches, but he was getting mashed. It wasn't like these were cheapy singles by the Tigers hitters either. These were 10 hard hit balls in five innings against Dean Kramer. That is not good at all. Matt Veerling was scorching him. Riley Green was all over him. Zach McKinstry was all over him. I just, I don't know. I mean, Kramer had the bad starts to begin the year. Then it looked like he kind of figured out against the Nationals, six and two-thirds scoreless. But again, it's the Nats. Their offense pretty much just as bad as the Tigers. Then he was up and down in that Red Sox start. was a bad start, but he finished strong. And then he faces another terrible offense, and you think, okay, maybe he can look like he did against the Nats and just kind of settle in against a bad offense. Instead, he got bludgeoned by a bad Tigers offense. I'm concerned. I mean, he only got eight whiffs on the 41 swings. He was not missing bats. And I just feel like he could not find an off-speed pitch to throw. He threw 38 four-seam fastballs out of his 89 pitches, but then he was trying the cutter, the changeup, the sweeper, the curveball, and none of them were really effective at all on the day, to be honest. I don't think any of them were good. He was mixing and matching. He was trying to find which off-speed pitch was going to be the one that worked for him, and it turned out none of them were the one that was going to work for him on Saturday. I don't know. I mean... It's been one good start, one okay start, and some bad starts filled in around there. And I keep getting the question here on the podcast, you know, what are the O's going to do when John Means returns? Well, Means is going to be back till after the All-Star break, at least as a full-time starter. The O's may have a Dean Kramer issue before then. And we'll talk about this more so later in the week, but they may have a Kramer issue before then. Cole Irvin pitched better over the weekend in AAA, gave up only one run over six innings. Austin Voth is starting to look better out of the bullpen. Two scoreless innings and a big spot for the O's on Sunday. And Spencer Watkins is just a solid option for the O's. Plus, you've got D.L. Hall pretty much built up. He looked good in his outing in the big leagues on Saturday. And then Bruce Zimmerman has really kind of changed up his arsenal, throwing way less fastballs and is pitching much better in AAA Norfolk. You got all these options there. And I don't think Dean would be sent to AAA. But he could be sent to the bullpen. Remember, he was going to begin 2022 in the bullpen before he got that oblique injury when he was actually warming up in the pen in the first series of the year, missed two months. And by the time he came back, the Orioles needed starters so badly, they just threw him back in the rotation, and he ended up pitching well. I haven't dove into what the actual differences are yet between last year and this year, but it's not good for Dean Kramer. I think he'll probably get his next start, but he's going to be pitching on eggshells the next time he goes out there. And now the last guy of the weekend, Kyle Bradish. I wouldn't say the situation is as dire for him, especially because he spent a lot of time on the IL when he got hit by the line drive in the foot. But just a weird start for Bradish, who was trying to bounce back from that horrid start Tuesday night against the Red Sox when he gave up seven runs over two and a third innings. 
And it looked like he was bouncing back. He'd thrown four scoreless innings in Sunday's start. He was giving up a little hard contact, but generally was getting through the innings. The breaking stuff was looking good. He was dealing with this Tigers order. Then the fifth inning comes around. Gives up a single. Gives up a two-run homer. Ends up giving up another RBI double. And he doesn't even finish the fifth inning. Has to leave with two on and two out. And while the Orioles had spotted him a 4-0 lead, it was all of a sudden 4-3. to And luckily for the OCNL Perez, who has been really, really bad this year, came in and got a huge strikeout to keep it 4-3. to Got some generous help from the third base umpire on a check swing call. But Bradish goes four and two-thirds, three runs on six hits, five Ks, one walk, and a homer. Only 78 pitches. He just wasn't being effective anymore. Brandon Hyde, I think, made the right move of taking him out of the game. But man, oh man, I mean, 10 hard hit balls against Bradish as well. Guys were just scorching the ball off of Bradish. And once again, it's becoming those similar issues. He didn't really miss bats, only seven whiffs. And he's just throwing too many fastballs. His four-seam fastball, I know it's got high velocity. You know, it's 94 to 96. But when you throw it 31 times out of 78 pitches, and you're only throwing 16 sliders and 11 curveballs when those are your go-to offerings, and you get six of your seven whiffs combined with those two breaking balls, you just got to throw more of them. When he gave up the single and then the homer to begin that fifth inning, it was seven consecutive fastballs to begin that inning. He just can't do that. And again, you cannot just throw all breaking balls. The only starter that's really tried that recently is Lance McCullers. And although he's good, he cannot stay healthy. And you have to think some of it is because of that. So I don't want him to go full McCullers where he's throwing, you know, number one pitch slider, number two pitch curveball, then comes the fastball. But you got to even it out a little bit more. And that's what Bradish did late in 2022. And that's what made him so good down the stretch for the Orioles last year. Something's got to give. I mean, he was clearly better than he was in the disaster on Tuesday. But he's got to find that pitch much better. I don't, I get why he relies on the four-seamer, right? When you can throw 96, you're going to rely on that pitch. But when it's 96 with just a little cut action and not a lot of rise or or life on it, it's not going to fool major league hitters. And when your slider and curveball are so elite, like Bradish's are, throw those pitches more. It is only going to help you. I know I had this rant like 10 times last year. It's already like my second time doing it this year. Hopefully, he goes back to the pitcher we saw. And I think he will. I have full belief in Kyle Bradish, But he's got to make those little changes. But for the Orioles, luckily, they had depth in their bullpen. So despite three pretty short starts over the weekend, I mean, no Orioles starter this weekend pitched beyond five innings in a four-game series. And the O's bullpen had enough depth to get them three wins in four games. But the other part that helped in terms of depth was the lineup depth. And it's shown at times this year for the Orioles. And it specifically showed this weekend with some names just kind of popping out of different places to get some key hits. We'll highlight those guys to finish off the pod coming up after this. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. 
After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. So the Orioles take three out of four from the Tigers over the weekend, and a big help with some clutch hits was the lineup depth for the Orioles that I just wanted to highlight quickly before the episode ends, because it was big to see Ryan Mountcastle somewhat break out of the slump, somewhat get a little lucky. He had two doubles in Sunday's win. It was first extra base hits in two weeks. Adley Rutschman had gone two weeks without an extra base hit. He got himself one on Sunday. Anthony Santander hadn't been showing a lot of power, hit a big insurance two-run homer, crushed one in the game on Thursday night. And Cedric Mullins had another big weekend. So there's some guys standing out. But some guys lower down in the lineup are really doing things. And we've mentioned Jorge Mateo all season, how well he's playing. He continued it over the weekend. Five for 15 with two homers, four RBIs, just one strikeout and one walk for Mateo. That's been the big thing, just not striking out as much. He's now hitting 347 with a 1062 OPS on the season. I mean, what a year it has been so far for Jorge Mateo. There were a few defensive gaffes over the weekend. I'm not going to lie. He made some great plays as well. But at the plate, he continues to produce. And he's kind of setting the tone for these guys who we didn't quite expect to produce big time for the Orioles in the lineup this year. I mean, Joey Ortiz comes up. First three big league games. Four RBIs. How about that? The O's needed that badly, and they got it. Kyle Stowers got his first MLB hit of 2023 in Sunday's game when he returned to the roster on Sunday. Ryan O'Hearn. Got the scoring started with a big RBI single Sunday. It seems like every time he hits, he gets himself an RBI. James McCann, you know, continues to mash lefties. Crushed a home run in the game on Saturday in the first game of the doubleheader. Adam Frazier had a home run on Sunday to extend the Orioles' lead. Frazier, who hit three home runs all year last year for the Mariners, has three home runs in the month of April for the Orioles this year. And then even Ryan McKenna, who seemed like he was going to be in the doghouse after what he did in the second game of the season, has quietly been better over the last couple of weeks at the plate for the Orioles. He's now hitting 276 with a 796 OPS. He's hitting left-handers, and he got in the game. He played in all four games, and he played a key role in the first three games because, again, as I said, they were all left-handed starters for the Tigers, so they get the righty McKenna in there. He goes three for 10 with a homer, a double, three RBIs, He had some key hits in those games. And you just look at this lineup depth, and even with Santander struggling, you know, he's at this point got a 642 OPS, didn't even play at all in Sunday's game. With Gunnar Henderson struggling, hitting 189, had an 0 for 4 Sunday, 659 OPS. Adley Rutschman still hitting, but not at the rate he was early in the season. Ryan Mountcastle still the unluckiest hitter in the world. You've got other guys throughout this lineup just chipping in and playing key roles when they need to. And that's helped this Orioles team get to 19-9. And it's just helped the vibes of this clubhouse, this dugout. This is a fun team to watch. It's got to be a fun team to be a part of, no matter who you're playing. I know it's a soft part of the schedule, but six straight series wins is six straight series wins. The O's haven't done it in nine years. Their most wins ever in the month of April with 19. This is a special team right now. It is fun to watch. And there's only more reinforcements coming because we got a little glimpse of Joey Ortiz this weekend. And we got a little glimpse 
of D.L. Hall this weekend. And Kyle Stowers is back as well for the Orioles. But coming up on tomorrow's episode, I wanted to specifically talk about those three guys. Hall, Stowers, and Ortiz. Two of them are back in AAA, and one is back to the majors. But there's questions surrounding all three. They've all played in the bigs already for the O's, but they're all kind of up and down. So what's the future going to look like? What are their seasons going to look like? And when do they get to establish themselves in the big leagues? We'll break that down on tomorrow's episode as the O's have the off day today. And then we'll get you ready for a series in Kansas City against the Royals where the Orioles will face an old friend in Jordan Lyles. But again, that's coming up on tomorrow's pod. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb. And this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.